All right, if you have your Bibles in the book of Acts chapter one, uh, as I had uh, considered these things, and, and yesterday I found myself a little bit in, uh, in, in the dilemma that, that I, I thought I had it settled in the direction I was gonna go in both, uh, in both services. And yesterday I began to uh, make a, a little bit, of, I began to question myself. It might have been Amalek. Uh, uh, rising up, if you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and in discussing with Brother Hanks last night, just a, a little bit, uh, he and his wife, and, and we did enjoy the fellowship as well as the meal. Thank you. And, but the, um, uh, it kind of put me back on track. And, and so uh, we're, we're here this morning, I believe, with what the Lord would have us to, to give you. It's not some, some great uh, overwhelming uh, something that nobody has ever seen before, you know, uh, and, and all of that. It's just uh, the word of God. And, and did you know that in the scripture, over and over again, you see the church going after sinners. You see it over and over. Look with me in Acts 1.8 and listen to the last command, if you will, of the Lord Jesus he is, he is getting ready to ascend back to heaven. A small group has met with him and now he says to them in verse eight, the very familiar scripture, he said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. Let's pray. Father, take the message today, honor your name with it, uh, set me aside and you forward and exalt your name. Encourage this church and this pastor and including ourselves as well, my Father, as your children and should there be those here today that do not know Christ, may somehow, though this message is directed toward the church, may you use the word of God and uh, the word of God maybe that they've heard in the past and may someone today uh, make the right decision to put their faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Encourage us today. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And I look at this scripture and, and I find that it's, it's interesting sometimes when you, when you look at, at the scripture. I believe the teaching of the word of God is uh, that, that the Lord Jesus commissioned uh, these disciples, uh, if you will, in a church setting. They were assembled together. It's not just a command to an individual or individuals. I believe it is for uh, the church. I believe it was the local church that the Lord Jesus Christ had gathered together while he was upon the earth. And, and in that little we might call it an embryonic church, a church yet in its developing stage uh, as, it, as it right now at this time uh, has a uh, risen, say, a crucified, risen Savior. He's about to ascend back to heaven uh, to continue his ministry to the church. Though he said it is finished, concerning salvation on the cross, it was finished, but he's still doing a work. And the work, uh, he's in heaven 
as an advocate for us and the Holy Spirit is within us in his person and he is leading us to go forth to do his work and his will. Interestingly, Jesus did not leave a, um, uh, if this doesn't work out, we'll, we'll go to plan B. Uh, if, if, if this doesn't work, there is no other alternative to reach people for Christ. I'm just telling you, there is one plan. Uh, a lot of things are done and we do a lot of things within this. Uh, uh, your church uses a, a, a 10,000 uh, piece candy hunt. I like that. If there was some sugar free in it, I might come back. All right, since I'm a diabetic, no, I probably can't. But anyway, I look at this scripture and I find that he said, you shall receive power. And so we know that one of the things that we're gonna need, uh, he gave us. Uh, the pastor gave us today uh, the journey of, of the nation Israel. And wow, uh, as he, he applied that to our lives as Christians after being saved and our journey of life. And as we go along, you, you saw in that scripture, and you still see it throughout the New Testament as well, that God gives us as believers, he gives us the things that we need as we go along. Interestingly, I found out that sometimes I want things before that God's ready to give them to me. And preacher, I've, I enjoyed all of your teaching this morning except when the Holy Spirit said to me about that test that I failed again that last week I've been over and over and over and over that and, and it has to do with driving. I'll leave it there. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, and, and, and really uh, it, it, it convicted me uh, because I, I know and I knew it then and I know it now. And, and it's not, it grieves me that I would fail the Lord again in, in a situation that by the time you reach 72 years old and have driven since you were 16, you should be able to have overcome that. But yet, my foot's not grown any in the last few years, but yet I still fail the test. You say, well, preacher, what's so big about that? The Bible teaches us we're to obey the laws of the land. And, and I preach that and I believe it. But yet occasionally I have a failure. Now, having confessed that, let me go back to this scripture, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. At this time, uh, in, in, here in the book of Acts, as we read this, the Lord Jesus has not ascended to heaven. Uh, the Holy Spirit has not come to indwell uh, the believer uh, so much as we see it today. Today, every born again child of God, every, every time a sinner comes to Jesus and puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he birthed them into the family of God, uh, you know that the Holy Spirit takes up his residence uh, within us and we have that witness of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, uh, he, he is living within us, but then he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in uh, Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and 
unto the uttermost part of the earth. So uh, the word both applies to two, does it not? Uh, uh, I might say uh, both my wife and I are going, both uh, my wife and I are going to eat lunch together. Uh, Both you and your family. So uh, it can be more than one, but it, but it goes to two, the both. And, and it says, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. So it almost looks like that the both does not apply. But I think that the idea is, while you're doing it in your Jerusalem, do it all of these other places as well. So that's, that's the two, the both. Uh, and and we, we understand that we can't do that on our own. I seldom listen to a missionary. If he's got a, uh, if he's got a burden and, and he's able to convey that to, uh, to the congregation and, 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 and I'm in that congregation, I seldom uh, hear a missionary present a field that God has led him to go. But what God doesn't burden me uh, with that, and I know that I can't go to all of these different places. Uh, when when the Lord led us to come to Kansas, uh, after having lived forty plus years in the state of North Carolina and the mountains, uh, I really had to do some praying about that uh, to get Amalek out of the way and and to surrender to the Lord. My wife was wise enough. Uh, that, that as, as we were on a trip out here, on our survey trip, uh, she said, let's pray that if God wants us to come to Kansas, that he'll cause us to like it. And, and that sounds, you know, but, but it was a very wise thing. Honestly, we, we seldom go anywhere and we don't really plan to do it, but, but we have just noticed that, that we get out and start somewhere and all of a sudden, uh, uh, one of us will say, look at that. Look how green that wheat is. Uh, look how golden that wheat is. Uh, look, look at this. And, and, and some of the most barren places have taken on uh, something that just causes us to love it. I just say that I, only God could could make something in some of these places. I looked over Hell's Half Acre, uh, as it was called some years ago, when we made a trip to um, uh, 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 to the to the Grand Canyon, and I looked over that and all of that erosion and and ruggedness and everything, and somehow I, I could just see the beauty of God in that. But he has caused us to like this. Now we still love the mountains and on occasion we go back uh, to the mountains of North Carolina and are going uh, actually week after next, we're going east and eventually we'll end up in North Carolina is the plan. But but God has caused us to like it. Now having, having said that, if he did not cause us to like it, I do not believe the call of God would be any less on my life. Uh, we, we know someone that, that, that has said that they just don't see the beauty in the Midwest, but they believe that's where God wants them and they've been here for a number of years. And so you don't go because it's a beautiful place. You don't go because it's a pleasant place. You don't go because there's gonna be 
comfort as far as, you know, the, uh, the kind of house that you'll have and, and the place that you'll live. Lawrence has several things that the, the town of Larned did not have. And, and uh, one of them is a McAllister's. And, and so there's all of these things, but you go where God leads you to go and you do what God leads you to do if you're going to follow his leadership. Now, having said this, the early church uh, constantly was going after sinners. And we see a tremendous growth if you go through those first chapters of the book of Acts. And although it may not be mentioned uh, directly, uh, I see God's people stirred uh, to reach beyond the walls of the church for others. I see churches being established. I think there were some churches established that is not directly mentioned uh, in those early scriptures because I do believe that it is God's will for every believer to have a church family and a church home. I believe it is God's will. And I just don't think uh, that these men that were going out were lone rangers uh, that was going out on their own uh, with, with nothing to do with the local church back home. And again, uh, because of the things I would like to cover this morning, I'm not able to look at all of these scriptures, but I will just use one reference uh, when, uh, when the church sent Barnabas. The Bible says uh, that, that he was, the church gave him permission to go as far as Antioch. As far as Antioch. What that says to me is that preacher, though he's going out to do a work in another place, he's under the authority of his local church. Missionaries are not lone rangers. Missionaries are a part of the local church and remain a part of the local church. I've had some people to tell me that I should be joining these churches that we're starting. But if I'm a missionary, I cannot do that because when I do that, I don't have that sending authority that a missionary must have. And, and by the way, uh, we have, uh, God has blessed us to be a part of starting these churches. Uh, we have went into these places that God has burdened us. And when he burdened us, uh, I cannot think of one of the towns that we knew anybody in. But can I tell you this? There's always been somebody there waiting for what we're offering. And I found a biblical principle for that. Uh, Cornelius, a lost man, is praying. He's a good man. He's doing good works, but he's lost and undone without God. While God's working on him, God's working on a preacher so that he'll be willing to go and preach to these people, these Gentiles, uh, when that was not the normal way of doing things. And so while God's working on Cornelius' heart, he is working on Peter's heart, and, and so God works on both ends. If God has burdened your pastor, and I know he has, uh, for the, the town of Topeka, uh, then, then I would submit to you that there is a need there. And, and that, uh, that God will work. And, and how that he'll work, we have to leave that uh, to him. By the way, a number of years ago, 
Brother Hank shared with me, I don't know exactly how many years, I don't know how long he's carried this burden and maybe just carried it without even, uh, without even saying anything because I have done the same thing. We've been praying over the town of Hayes uh, now for probably, uh, 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 I know at least two years and maybe three. But we, we, we did not do anything much toward that. I did not want my heart to get divided uh, between the town of Hayes and the town of Larned. Uh, and, and although I, I prayed for the town and we, we made trips up there and things like that, but I had to wait until that church had a pastor because the last thing a church planner does uh, before he leaves uh, is found in Acts chapter 14. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just go there uh, because I can, I can find it easier. In verse 23, the Bible said, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, and had fasted and prayed, or had, had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they depended. So every church was left with a pastor that these church planters started. Uh, and, and to leave one without a pastor uh, is to leave that church prematurely. And, and so I, I look at this and, and I find that, uh, that they were to go and as they went, there was a number of things that they were to do and the first thing they were to do was evangelize. So I look at the scripture uh, in, in these chapters and as I see this tremendous growth, uh, I remind you that God had told them that they were to go but they're still in Jerusalem. And when you get through the first few chapters of the book of Acts, they're still in Jerusalem. There had been just a little bit of effort, uh, but they were still in Jerusalem. But God had to do something to thrust them out. I don't want God to have to, I have to bring some persecution into my life to cause me to follow the will of God. But I know your pastor, he shared with me a number of years ago about his burden for Topeka. He actually asked me at that, at that time, uh, he said, do you have any aversion to, um, to starting a church in a larger town? because we had worked in the small towns and I said, no, sir. Uh, it's just that God has directed us at this time to the, to the smaller towns. And he said, would you pray? So I see that it's not just something in his ego that he wants to start another church uh, and, and all of that, but I see that he's got a burden. He said, uh, would you pray about Topeka? And I promise you, brother, I have. And God never gave me liberty. Uh, it was just not my lot at that time. You understand what I'm saying? Did not mean that there was not a, a need, uh, but then uh, much of the things that go on in church planning, I think not only has to do with the right person, but it also has to do with the right time. Uh, he made mention of either a building or a man. And I think that's a good way uh, to look at it. Uh, you know, we'll do it ourselves and pray a man in at the right time. Uh, we'll, uh, we, we'll do however God directs. But listen, I would tell you that, that things are urgent. I, I have learned in the past week of two independent Baptist churches in the state of Kansas have closed their doors and are in the process of dissolving the assets. 
and and so uh, these are these are are in in different places, and I've uh, been in contact with people at both of these places. And, and can I just give this as an aside? We do believe that a church is not only an organization but an organism, right? It's a it's a living organism. Um, I want to say it right. Uh, If the church is a living organism, unless that it is as God is eternal and our souls eternal, if a church is a living organism, it, it has a birth and it may have a death if the Lord does not come. And if we take that as a, our physical bodies, some live to be older than others. Could it be that there is a time just and natural for a church to be no more? I don't see any of the seven churches in, in the book of Revelation that were literal local assemblies just like this one. I don't see any of them as being in existence today. So as time goes on, and, and, and so there may be a natural thing in this. It could be that God makes an offer to an area and they in general reject that offer and God moves the person on to another location. I'm just telling you, something for you to consider uh, as, as we look at this. We never, it always grieves my heart uh, when I find that uh, a, a, a good uh, church that is where the gospel is being preached, it grieves me to see a church uh, die, to see a church uh, dissolve. But anyway, that's those thoughts. Well, uh, let, let me look at this as we look at the the scripture, and I'm just going to mention these things as I go through. And and again, as your pastor said this morning, I'm not going to uh, I'm I'm going to turn with them, but I'm not going to read a scripture in every one of them. But if you look in the book of Acts, as as, as seeing the history of the early church, uh, and that that God, uh, the Holy Spirit, did uh, through them in Acts chapter one, you'll read that there was 120 people in an upper room praying. Some says that because that they were praying and in one accord the, the, uh, that Pentecost came, but that's not true. Uh, Pentecost was on its way. Pentecost was a, uh, was a Jewish feast. It was a, it was a time, but they were doing the right thing as they were assembled together, praying and in one accord. And so we know that uh, on the day there was 120 in that upper room praying and in Acts 2 uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were in all one, with all one accord in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven and, and you know how the, the Holy Spirit of God came and, uh, as a mighty rushing wind and filled all the house where they were sitting and, and, and there was uh, outward evidence of the Holy Spirit 
Spirit working through the cloven tongues of fire and, and all of this. And bear in mind that uh, we don't need those things today. We're not in a transitional period uh, as it was in the book of Acts. We've got the word of God. Uh, we've got the completed word of God. When that which is uh, perfect is come, that which is in, uh, in part be done away with. And so we know uh, that there's some things in the book of Acts that, that are no longer in existence today. But on the day of Pentecost, uh, there was 3,000 added to the 120 that was already there. And you can do the math uh, uh, so that I won't mess it up. But then by the end of Acts 2, there is a statement that says, uh, and the... Um, uh, excuse me, praising God, having favor with all the people. And here's the statement. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, I don't know how many that was. I don't, I don't fully understand if you, just to be honest with you, uh, that statement, but it looks to me like that they were going out daily. They were doing, if you will, all they can as they, they were going after sinners. I don't know where the, uh, where the all uh, uh, 3,120 people of the church was going out on a daily basis, but there was, uh, if you had a church of 3,120 people, would you not think that there would be someone in that church just as they were going witness because that's the idea there in Acts 1-8, as you go witness. And so as they went, uh, people were getting saved and was being added to the church. And, and I praise God for that and, and would like to pastor a church uh, where the, there was somebody being saved every day. But uh, when, you, when you look at it then, uh, you get to uh, the beginning of chapter four of the book of Acts and there's another 5,000 men uh, that are saved. And then you get to Acts chapter six and verse seven and a great number of the priests believed. And, and you get to Acts chapter seven, Stephen is martyred. Uh, because of his witness for God. But through his witness, uh, there was, I believe uh, that the Holy Spirit of God uh, brought, a, brought a Jew that, uh, that was holding the coats of those people, brought him under conviction, and I do not believe that this man whose name was Saul ever got away from how Stephen died. He may not have known too much of Stephen's death, uh, but, uh, but Stephen died as a Christian. Amen. I heard uh, a man preach not long ago that, um, and he used the statement about how that he was in a, uh, uh, a country church graveyard uh, cemetery. And, and it was the, the, the gravestones had, had markers on them from back in uh, like 1906, 1907, and such as that. And I believe he said it was in 1907, he named the lady that passed away. And he had a good imagination and he said uh, uh, it was a country place now and he said, I can't imagine what it would have been then. But he said, as he looked at it and began to consider this, uh, he thought uh, this lady probably had a husband 
And maybe they'd had a rough time raising their kids and just grubbed out a living on the, uh, you know, on the, on the barren soil. And, and so he couldn't give her much, but she died and he wanted to do something uh, that would cause people to think about the kind of life that she lived. And, and, and he said, the epithet said, she died as she lived, a Christian. Amen. She died as she lived, Amen. a Christian. In the church that I'm ordained out of and where that Anne uh, grew up, there is a, there's an epitaph on a, on a stone there that caught my attention uh, many years ago. And it says, remember friends, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, you soon shall be. Prepare for death and follow me. And somebody said, uh, uh, they, they wrote another poem, and that's not on the epitaph, of course, but somebody said they wrote another poem and said, until I know which way you go, I will not know where to follow you. Uh, that's, uh, but it, it had some kind of a, a rhyme to it and I didn't get it exactly right. But do you understand that, uh, that, that it was said in the scriptures, let me die the death of the righteous? I used that in my brother's funeral. Do you know the only way that you can die the death of the righteous is to live the life of the righteous? And a part of the life of the righteous is reaching others for Christ. I know this church is aggressive in reaching others for the Lord, and you should be, uh, because we don't know how long we have before the Lord calls us out of here. And so I look at these things and I see all of these churches, I mean this church, reaching out to reach others in so many different ways. And as they did it, uh, they, souls were being saved. They were brought into the church. They were baptized and, and they became a part of that local church fellowship. Now, anytime that the work of God uh, is, is advancing I can promise you that Satan is going to rear his head. There's going to be some obstacles along the way. Uh, I, I know uh, about the, the church building uh, that, that looked like it would be the prime place and, and all of this. I don't know what the Lord's trying to teach along life's journey. Uh, it could be patience. Uh, it could be God's got a better place. Uh, it could be uh, that God could work on someone's heart uh, to prepare them uh, further. And um, so we, we, we look at these things and we, we see the work of God and I'm trying to relate this uh, to uh, this church planting a church in Topeka. And by the way, I, I wanna say this, um, uh, right here. I started to say it earlier, but, but I, want, I think right here's the right place to say it. You do understand that my wife and I have been in Kansas. Uh, this May the 20th will make us 28 years. We're planning to start the church in Hayes on May the 23rd. We'll be starting in the Hilton uh, Hotel unless God provides something, something better. But uh, May the 23rd, uh, in 1993 when we got here, I preached in my home on the first Sunday we was there to 13 people, which included my wife and I and my brother and his teenage son. 
and his teenage son has now uh, finished out a career in the Navy and has retired from the Navy. That, that'll give you a perspective. Uh, and as we, as we have done this, our, one of our grandsons was five weeks old when we moved to Kansas. He's now got two children. Uh, he is a barber in North Carolina. God called him to preach last year. He's preaching this morning in Low Gap, North Carolina at Blue Ridge Baptist Church. And so uh, that, that, what, what a blessing that is. But uh, when we came out here, uh, you understand I said that we came with authority. We have started the churches we've started under the authority of our sending church. And every church uh, should be started under, uh, under the right authority. Again, uh, although it's us at the forefront, uh, we are acting as a part of that local church there. And so when the church in Topeka, though it will eventually, uh, the plan would be for it to become an independent, autonomous, uh, self-supporting, self-governing church. In the beginnings, it will be under the authority of this church and this pastor as it should be. And so all of these things happen and there'll be some obstacles along the way. There'll be some bumps in the road, some bubbles will get busted. Some people will get uh, offended. Satan will rear his head and do all kinds of things, but what must we do? We must persevere to the glory of God. So Stephen's martyred, Saul persecutes the church, and the Bible says uh, in Acts chapter eight that he uh, uh, wreaked havoc uh, Saul was considered unto his death. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And, and this is Acts 8, 1. And they were all scattered abroad. So it wasn't all a bad thing for the persecution to come. They were all scattered abroad uh, throughout the regions of Jude, uh, Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the church wasn't destroyed. Uh, the apostles stayed and held the church together and others went out uh, to the glory of God. They stayed and remained a witness. Uh, everyone's not going to Topeka. You, you, there still needs to be a witness in Lawrence. There still, the church here uh, needs, to be, uh, needs to be strong and needs to be going forward to the glory and honor of God. And so, uh, when, when God works, so does the devil. But I'm going to tell you, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Satan may win a few battles in our life, but I want to tell you, thank God, we've already won the war uh, from Calvary. Uh, it's been won. And so uh, God uses the great persecution to scatter uh, the church at Jerusalem throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And then in verse four the, uh, of chapter eight, the Bible says, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, they, may have, they may have went. Can I tell you that the Apostle Paul uh, was let down uh, over the wall of a city uh, in a basket uh, and, and, and escaped to go on and preach the word of God. Uh, he, he did not stay uh, in a place where he was unwanted when the Holy Spirit was leading him to go on. 
I, I have no doubt that he wanted to stay and preach some more, but God was using them to thrust him out and to get him on somewhere else. And there was somebody that, that stayed on the wall and held the ropes. And there is the church, there is that aspect of the church uh, that when, when, when it is time to go out again and plant another church, uh, it, is, it is also time for the church that is already established to hold the ropes of that one, to step up a little further, to dig a little deeper. I have no idea of the finances of this church. Uh, the pastor has not uh, mentioned any of that. He told me about the prices of those church some time ago when he, uh, when he had called me and asked me about coming. Uh, but, and we discussed some things. And there's always things that you've got to weigh out and just see what does, how does the Lord lead and what would be the best in these Times. So as I, as I look at this and see uh, that, that God's doing these things, uh, so they went everywhere preaching the word of God. In Acts chapter nine, we then read uh, about Saul getting saved. And, and in Acts chapter 10, we read about Cornelius and his household. And, and I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna wind this down right here uh, and and. and Pick up tonight if I can. Uh, but uh, as, as we look at this, one of the things that comes to my mind as I've pondered some of these things, uh, and that is that uh, God shows us that of, of 3,000 getting saved, 5,000 getting saved, a great number of the priests uh, excuse me, believed. And, and different times, we, we, see, we see mass evangelism, if you will, God working in our lives. Listen, I hope to see it. I would to God to see it uh, and, and, and all of this. And I'm not giving up on God. I believe God is well able, but I do believe that we're living in the gleaning times uh, of, of the, the church age before the rapture of the church. That just means we ought to work harder and reach more. Uh, I mean, at least give them the opportunity to come. Uh, work more. Listen, um, if, if, if you're, if you're just before going over a waterfall in a, in a, in a river and you were, you were doing all, you, you was in the boat and you was doing all you could to paddle uh, to keep from going over that waterfall, as you got nearer, would you not, do you think that your adrenaline uh, would not rise up more and you'd start paddling harder before we go over the brink. Can I tell you that I really believe that we're living near, uh, so near to the coming of the Lord uh, that is as, as, as I heard one fellow say, uh, it may just be before and Michael may be licking his lips just before putting the trumpet to his lips uh, to blow the trumpet uh, that will signal the saints of God to be called out as the Lord returns. If we're gonna reach them for Christ, it's imperative that we do so as quickly as we can. Now, you read about the, the mass evangelism. You read about uh, those big meetings where God saved thousands. But interspersed all along in this early church's history, 
you read about the one, the one that it looks like shouldn't have gotten saved. The one that was persecuting the church was so blinded in his sin, uh, Saul, uh, blinded in his sin, thinking that he was doing God a favor by persecuting them, uh, by, uh, by, by being against them, even getting warrants for men and women uh, and, and hailing them uh, to jail so that they could be persecuted, testifying against them. Saul was at the, uh, at the execution of Stephen and held the coats of the young men, indicating by that uh, that he was in approval of what they were doing. But God saves him. God saves that one that it looks like was impossible. Amen. My wife and her family sang in local churches at times when their church was not having service. They sang in their church when their church was having services. But they would go to other churches and help them in revival efforts and new churches and getting started. The church that was in my community that, uh, that my wife and I got saved in uh, as, as teenagers and the church that I grew up in um, uh, had, had been started for a little while and my grandpa had died in 1960, a godly man that loved the Lord, didn't get saved till later in life. He had raised my half-brother, uh, and uh, in other words, my mother and, and her first husband was divorced, and she came back home to where, the, where he would have a father figure, and, and she would have to work away from home sometimes to make ends meet, and he stayed there to have a stable family, and so uh, he, was, uh, he grew up with my grandpa as his father figure. And, 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 but but my, my grandfather uh, had, had drank heavily and, and had been a bootlegger uh, in the mountains of North Carolina, as had my dad. And, and so uh, he, my grandpa gets saved late in life, and boy, he, as, as, as the old mountain preacher said, he got a dose of salvation. I mean, uh, uh, it changed his life and, and he began to serve God and, and he would, uh, I'm talking about he died in 1960 when I was 11 years old, but he had a circuit that he went to men that he had worked with and, and sold liquor to and, and, and had worked with at the steels and, and all of this and he would go to those men and would witness to them and tell them what God had done in his life until he got so blind that my grandmother, I remember her saying one day, she said, Ambers, I know he's gonna bring a stick of wood in for the fireplace as he comes back, but she said he's so blind, I'm afraid that he might pick up a snake instead of a stick, but he is still going through the trails of the mountain. He died in 1960. Just a few months after that, my wife's family was, was traveling down this road on their way to New Light Baptist Church number two and there was a man laying in the side ditch of that gravel road, and it was my half-brother in his early 20s, drunk, passed out, laying there. You'd just have to know the, the era and the area, but he stopped, got out, had his family, had, had his girls with him, his wife, so he gets out, goes over, checks my brother to make sure he's not dead. And, and so what do you do for a drunk? You leave him alone. He left him laying in the side ditch, 
passed out. Sometime during the service at New Light Baptist Church that night, uh, uh, my brother had come to himself, had walked about a mile and a half. Now, now you can say whatever you want to, but in the invitation, he walked the aisle and trusted Christ as his personal Savior. About a year later, God called him to preach. But before that time, had, and by the way, he surrendered to preach in a cottage prayer meeting, trying to win uh, one of our neighbors to the Lord. And, and so uh, it was just on, on Monday, he gets saved on Sunday. On Monday, my brother's at our house and, and about five o'clock in the morning telling my family, my mom and, and my dad who was lost that he got saved the night before. Just a few months and my dad at the age of 50 years old gave his heart to Jesus. And, and, and so uh, that was things that went on. My brother preached the gospel for over 40 years before the Lord called him home in 2002, uh, excuse me, 2004. And, and as I look at these things, here's my point. I'm glad God saves individuals. I'm glad although there was no one else in the church that night, after services was over, my wife and I, as 17-year-old, I guess she's still 16, but I was 17. My wife and I, our pastor, Brother Muncie Absher, went over the gospel again, the gospel that I'd heard since I was 11 years old. My wife grew up as a child singing and, and playing the piano uh, from the time that she was just a little girl in that mountain church, but unsaved, uh, being a member of the church. But I'm glad that God came to individuals and saved us. And by the way, that 5,000, that 3,000, they were saved as individuals. It, although it might have been a mass meeting, it was an individual uh, interaction of the Holy Spirit in the lives of that individual where that they became a part of that 5,000. None of them are mentioned, but God had written their names down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's the way it'll be in Topeka. Uh, that's the way it'll be here tomorrow as you have opportunity to witness. It'll be individually. You may be able to talk to an entire family, but each family member will have to make the choice as to whether to trust Christ as their Savior. Brother Don Jackson, I know he's going to be with you uh, before long, uh, told the story about how he got saved in his living room. Uh, he'd been under conviction for a couple of weeks, uh, but do you know his wife didn't get saved at that time? She, she really was trusting in, uh, in something at that time. But God saved an individual and done a work uh, in his life as it goes on. God's still doing a work. We've got seven grandchildren. All of them are grown. All of them have made professions of faith, but all of them did it one at a time. Do you know that, that the little girl that was our oldest granddaughter, Jeannie, she was five years old when we left North Carolina. I, I, I'm not telling you this to tell my life story or all of this. What I'm trying to do is get it across to you that things happen differently and, and God works in lives, but it becomes an individual thing in our lives, how we deal with the witness that we are given.
uh, when Jeannie uh, left, I believe it was the next year uh, that we was back home. So Jeannie would have been about six. And, and as we started to leave, I, by the way, uh, they, they live in the house that my wife and I had lived in 22 years. We sold our youngest son our home and he raised his family there and there. All three of them are out on their own now. Jeannie, when we were six years old, we're leaving uh, and, and out on the porch and we're saying our last goodbyes, giving our last hug. We're not gonna uh, see each other again maybe for a year or, or, or something like that. We don't go home every Christmas. And, and so uh, anyway, we're saying our goodbyes and that little girl, I can almost feel it now, she locked her arms. I mean, she just reached out and grabbed me and locked her arms around that leg and she said, please, don't leave me, Papa. Please don't leave me. And we literally pried her arms away and they held her while Ann and I got in the car and headed for Kansas. We started doing something then. We started saying our goodbyes in the evening and going to a meeting somewhere and then driving through the night for a while so that we couldn't see each other's tears because we knew where God wanted us was Kansas. And we knew the best thing we could do for our family, including that little girl that was the, I mean, she was just the, 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 the jewel of our lives. We knew that the best thing we could do for our family was be in the will of God. But do you know that either the next year or the year after, we are now in Kansas, we had taken a dentist office and, and uh, remodeled it and was having church on, at 313 C Street uh, in Washington, Kansas. And do you know they came out on, a, on, a, on vacation and on Wednesday night, after the services, I didn't give an invitation that Wednesday night, but that after the service, that little girl at either seven or eight years old began to tug at me and I looked around and I guess I was a little bit impatient, but I looked around and I said, Jeannie, honey, what do you want? I've got to take these people home. I was trying to get out the door to take some people home from church. And she looked at me and she said, I want to be saved, Papa. I'm not saved, you know. And so I, I sat down with her and, and shared with her the gospel and she called upon the Lord and trusted Christ as her savior according to her testimony. In Kansas, a place we would not have been, in Washington, Kansas, a place we would not have been in our wildest dreams had we not followed the call of God on our lives. It does pay to serve the Lord. That five-year-old, I mean that five-week-old baby grandson that we left is the one I told you about that's preaching this morning at Blue Ridge Baptist Church in Low Gap, North Carolina. Uh, all of them are saved. All of them are serving the Lord except that oldest uh, granddaughter. Now, let, let me tell you this. Uh, two of my grandchildren have now found their spouses or their spouses found them from the state of Kansas. One of my grandsons married Brother Chris Matthews' wife's sister. Brother Matthews uh, just arrived in Vietnam with his family as missionaries this week. 
and, and, and uh, my that oldest grandson uh, is in near Idabel, Oklahoma, pastoring a church now. And, and all of it, as we follow the Lord, we can trust the Lord. I said to God in North Carolina, I will not be satisfied. I said, we're going to Kansas. But I will not be satisfied to go to Kansas if we could win every soul in Kansas I won't be satisfied for my grandchildren to grow up and die without God and go to hell. So there's some things you have to leave to others. Have you got loved ones in Topeka? You surely want a good church there, don't you? But if you don't have loved ones in Topeka, don't you want them to go? Don't you want them to be saved? Don't you want them to go with you to heaven? I mean, it's, it's just so, so imperative that while we can, boy, our government's getting more oppressive toward, toward church and religion. We need to do what we can while we can to the glory of God. The church, at, honestly, the church at any time, I mean churches at any time may have to go underground. Preacher, you're, a, you're an alarmist. No, I'm a realist. I want to tell you today that it's happened in other places. A friend of mine was, was being kicked out of China. He'd started a church there. This is what he told me that when they brought him in and interrogated him, that caused him to have to leave. He said that the, leadership, the, the officials said to him, cut off the head of the snake and the snake will die, meaning get rid of the pastor, send him out of the country, the church will die. But guess what? The church didn't die. Why? Because it was an autonomous, uh, indigenous church, natural to the region, and, and it was made up of those people, and he is still working through the internet and, and training people, and a young man has, uh, that had surrendered to preach under his ministry, the church called him, and so they're working, and it's still going on to the glory and honor of God. The work of God, it's important that we do it wherever God wants us to do it. Where are we to do it? You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Lawrence, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. I believe God can use you. Number one, you'll have to wait on the Lord. Your pastor's already said that. Number two, you'll have to be willing to go when God helps you. Did you know, and I'll, I'll throw this out, not trying to get anywhere in the, in the heart, uh, excuse me, into the business of this church. Do you know that since that building's not available, God may be waiting for someone that could say and could pray about it and could say, hey, I believe I'm just gonna give uh, a sum of money uh, and, and some of you could give more than others, but I, I'm gonna give a sum of money. Brother, I hope it's all right that I say this. I know you did not, uh, I did not ask you about this, but, but God could be putting the money together. I know a church that saved until they had over a million dollars in their building fund uh, because the pastor had a goal of building a larger building to reach more people and the property uh, where that he believed God wanted them to have, he just couldn't buy at that time and he kept saving. And many people were critical of Brother Bobby Robertson uh, down in Walkertown, North Carolina because he had over a million 
million. They said he ought to give that money to missions. The Lord might come back. But the Lord didn't. And then uh, the land came available and they were able to build and they had all of this money and some of those same preachers probably said, look what a wise man he was to wait on the Lord. Give and shall be given unto you, the scripture says. And go and can I tell you, there'll be some that will come. Preacher, come if you will, please.